This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Chase Down Podcast presents A City of Champions, a seven-part series chronicling the Cavs' 2016 NBA championship. With help from fans who cheered against us, reporters who covered it, and the players who watched it, we'll take you game by game through the most improbable 3-1 comeback in championship history. Be sure to subscribe to the Chase Down Podcast to relive the greatest series we've seen in our lifetimes. One dribble steps back, puts up a three, won't go, rebound tip taken by Spates, final seconds, Baker it's Mayfield. over, I'm it's over! Cleveland is a city of champions select. once again! Baker the Cavaliers are NBA champions! The series begins Thursday. What's up, everyone, and welcome back into the newly rebranded OBR Film Room podcast, right? It's a lot to take in. We've taken off the Browns label, tied it to the home, which is the OBR, which is the website that I am an analyst for, and I hope you guys are familiar with it. We have a OBR Newswire podcast that is up every day, short 10 to 15 minutes covering the topics of the day, writing pieces. I hope you can subscribe to that channel and link it up with your subscription to the OBR Film Room channel that we have here, right? And uh, hopefully we can get everything rolling on the same page. And there's also a YouTube channel that will post a ton of different uh, football film content and so much more. And I really hope you guys can join up and link up to all of those because we have some great things going. And I have a super fun podcast today that has a ton of different voices that you're going to recognize across the Browns uh, Twitter community. Really guys who have an opinion, strong opinions on the draft, and I thought would, would be something that you guys, the listeners, would be interested in hearing these guys talk about and give their opinion. So the idea here is that we are going to have each guest on for uh, around five minutes. Some go a little over, some go a little under, and we're going to ask three questions, right? You're going to get tired of me bringing these questions up, and I'm going to bring it up to each guy, which is the idea of uh, if they were picking at pick 10, who would they pick? Tell me who you would pick and tell me if you would stay there. If you would move down, tell me who you're moving down for in a range. That's the first question. Second question is Browns have a myriad of positions to upgrade. Tell me about which position they have to come out of the draft better at, with the player that is important, and tell me which player you would pick. And then finally, the third question is a day two or day three guy that you would pound the table for as a scout and think that that guy is going to make it in the NFL. So it should be fun. We got so many different opinions on this. Really hope you guys enjoy it. We're going to be jumping on what I call the betonline.ag hotwire with all of these different guests. You can jump around. I've time-coded this. You can get to people you want to hear. Maybe you listen to the whole thing. I hope you do that, but I've got it time-coded for you in the description here if you'd like to jump around and hear opinions. Hope you guys really enjoy this, but before we go over to our first guest, we're going to talk to you guys about betonline.ag because they're a proud sponsor of Blue Wire Podcast. They have a ton going on right now. They have stuff for you to do all day, 24 hours a day. 
blackjack, poker, all the above. They're going to have uh, Madden 20 simulations. You can get your football gambling fix on. You can play and get involved in those. You can also get involved in the weather, stock market gambling. If you want to get really crazy, some shows that you can uh, wager on as well, like Survivor and some of those other shows out there that you can you can make some money on. And then you can get involved in draft prop bets as well because it's going to be a fun night, Thursday night. And I hope you guys are going to enjoy listening and following along with us at the OBR. So get over to betonline.ag. Get that bonus offer they have going using the promo code BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. Make yourself some money in the coming days with inside information that you're going to get from the OBR about the Browns draft coming up. So listen, we're going to jump to our first guest, which is Brendan Leister, and then we're going to go from there. Ton of different guests. Jump around, listen to the whole thing, make it a part of your whole day leading up into the draft. It's going to be a fun one. Hope you guys enjoy this thing. Let's get it rocking. All right, folks, hitting leadoff, my friend and good friend of the show, as you all know him, Brendan Leister. He's at Brendan Leister on Twitter, analyst of Pro Football Focus. Brendan, we're going to jump right into this thing, man. I'm going to ask you um, the question I have for everybody, which is about pick 10. Sort of tell me where you would go with pick 10 and uh, your justification for doing so. Yeah, so to start off, I'll just say that um, if the Browns decide to trade down with from this pick and gather more picks on day two, I'd be very, you know, very open to that idea. But just for the, just for this exercise, I'm gonna go with Tristan Wirfs, um, putting my foot, putting my fist down on the table. Um, I think Tristan Wirfs. I've gone back and forth between he and Andrew Thomas throughout this process, but for the sake of this, I'll say him. And I think that Tristan Wirfs just, he's a great athlete. He has the movement skills that you look for in the wide zone scheme. Um, he's had experience at right and left tackle so it's not going to be like he's playing left tackle for the first time in his life he has switched sides although he did play on the right side more his pass blocking grades in college were very good um i thought that he has very smooth pass sets when you watch his pass sets and has great explosiveness in the run game um, he really just looks i've kind of said this a bunch of times but he looks like he was built in a lab to play in the wide zone scheme i think just with his movement skills his power his you know, his physicality. Um, Mm -hmm. Some people think that he'd be best suited at guard, but I kind of, I just like the fit at tackle. And I think in this offense with Kevin Stefanski um, last year, his offense in Minnesota had the third lowest number of pass set of true pass sets in the NFL last year, where you're taking out screens, you're taking out play action boots, um, rollouts, all the types of things that really make the job um, easier for an offensive line. He runs a lot of those things in his offense. Um, so there's a lot less true pass sets that are, it's not like he's just asking the quarterback to drop back on straight drop back passes a thousand times a game and asking his offensive line to just be fantastic pass protectors with no help. So I think this is a great fit for Wirfs. I like him in pass pro. I think that he's explosive in the run game and I really like the fit with the Browns if he's there at 10. Very much agree. I would be fine with Wirfs. Moving to the next question. Um, which is, you know, we, we know they need a left tackle. It's their likely round one pick. So there are other positions of need for this team. I, I'm interested in, in what you think that position has to be and who you would really enjoy seeing them draft at that position. Yeah, if I have to put my foot down and, and say one position that they need, I think they have to come out of this draft with a linebacker. Um, you just look at the group right now. Mac Wilson, he had a, you know, a, I would say he just played like a rookie. You know, he was not not great as a rookie. Um, definitely needs some competition for him. And then at the other linebacker spot, you've got Sione Takitaki and B.J. Goodson competing. But really, there's no 
Um, there's no like proven player at the position. I'm not saying a rookie is going to be proven, but if you add talent to the position and a rookie steps up and starts, that's a huge deal. I think you also have a lack of coverability or proven coverability at the position right now. So whatever rookie that they take, I think that needs to be a player that can cover. And uh, just to put my finger on one player in the draft that I like for that fit would be Logan Wilson from Wyoming. Um, he's a little bit older. At 20, he's going to be 24-year-old rookie this year, but um, he has he's versatile. He's played in the box, out in space, um, good cover player. He's had really good grades throughout his career and coverage in the run game as well as just overall grades. So very consistent player, and I think he's going to go higher than some people are projecting. I think that he'll probably be – going off the board somewhere in the third or fourth round, I would say maybe, maybe he even creeps up into the second if someone falls in love with them. But I really like his fit for the Browns um, at linebacker in a class that has quite a few different types of linebackers. But I think the Browns really need to prioritize someone that can cover. You know, I'm a big Logan Wilson fan, so I enjoy that take good analysis, my friend. And then lastly, the question on day two, day three, day two is round two, three, pretty much rounds two, three, seven. Who is a guy, if you're sitting in the room, you're a scout for, you know, the Browns in this situation, that you would put your fist down and say, that guy is my guy, and I believe he's going to be a good player for this team if we draft him. Yeah, my guy on day two would be uh, Michael Pittman Jr. from USC. Um, I think the Browns need a wide receiver behind OBJ and Jarvis Landry just for the long term of the room for the team. Um, you also have to be able to play 11 personnel some. And right now I'm not confident in any of the receivers behind those top two. Also, the top two are both rehabbing right now. So I, I'm a big fan of Michael Pittman Jr.'s game. Um, I think he has inside outside versatility. He's a big body. He tested very well at the combine for his size. Um, if you just look at the way that he wins in routes and his ability to make contested catches but also separate, um, I think there's a lot of things that are reminiscent about his game looking back to Michael Thomas as a prospect coming out of Ohio State. I know that sounds far-fetched now because Thomas has become an all-pro with the Saints, but he was a second-round pick for a reason. And I think that's because you know there, there wasn't the huge production, production, there wasn't the freaky freaky test numbers you know but he was a good athlete for his size he created separation in his routes he was great at contested catches had fantastic hands I think Michael Pittman Jr. he's had less than 10 drops I think in his college career I know that he's had very few drops he's got some of the best hands in the draft consistent hands catcher he can win on all three levels of the field and he's great at going up and getting the ball in traffic which will be good with Baker Mayfield you know sometimes he tends to miss high he needs guys that can go up and get the football. I really like the fit of Michael Pittman Jr. for the Browns at 41, or if he somehow fell to the third round, that would be a dream. Absolutely, man. That's good analysis. That's Brennan Leister. He is going to give you as, as productive of Browns coverage on Twitter. Uh, he puts his stuff, obviously, Pro Football Focus is, is his home for his work. And uh, if you're not following him again, make sure you are at Brennan Leister on Twitter, my friend. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jake. Now up, Sam Penix. Sam writes uh, a, a myriad of different places. He writes at Clutch Points NFL, does last word on the NFL at with the first pick, and does uh, a, a couple different things for Pro Football Focus. I've enjoyed Sam's work following him on Twitter, does uh, some quality film rooms, puts some clips up. You guys will enjoy those. They're at, and his Twitter handle is at Sam Penix, and uh, you should follow him. Sam, how are you tonight, man? I'm doing very well. How are you? Thanks for having me. Hey, no problem. I'm great. I'm great. Let's get going. We, time is of the issue. We're trying to get these opinions out here, so let's hear about it, buddy. You're you're up at pick ten. Who is the uh, who's the player or decision that you want to make and why? 
All right, no major hot take here, but I am a massive, massive Andrew Thomas fan. He is just – he's he's the best tackle that I've ever personally evaluated. He's just athletically – you know, he's not anything freaky like Becton or Wirfs, but aside from his 40-yard dash and his uh, his shuttle time, everything else was aside from the bench press in the 80s as far as percentile goes. So he's a very good athlete. Uh, he's got a really good frame. He's very strong. Um, he's He graded out excellent uh, with PFF uh, over 92 as a junior. He gave up nine pressures and one sack in 2019. Uh, he just turned 22. He already has three years of experience, one year at right tackle, uh, two at left tackle. He showed significant year-to-year improvement. He has 36 and one-eighth inch arms. You know, he's just got amazing technique, awareness, and composure, and he's just He's just so consistent, you know. He's not going to be the Becton where, you know, he's he's mauling dudes into the sideline every three plays. But he's going to do his job consistently, and that's that's what I want out of a out of my left tackle. Just somebody who's going to do his job every down. Um, you know, the less you think about your offensive line, the better I think. You know, how many times do we think about Joe Thomas when he was playing uh, for the Browns over the last decade? You know, he just did his job. He, you know, nothing special, but he. He got the job done, so that that's what I see Thomas as, um, not just because the last name, but but that's that's my guy at ten, and I I will pound the table every day for him. Yeah, you know you certainly know I'm a fan, and, and Browns fans would like to recycle that seventy three if he ends up arriving here, so it might work out the best for everybody. So so okay, aside from left tackle, that's an obvious need. They're going to get one at some point, probably early. Another position you think the Browns absolutely cannot skip in this draft, and a player at that position that you love. So, I mean, safety is a big need, but I think with Sandejo and Joseph, um, you're at least going to have pretty good, you know, decent safety play this year. Uh, but the linebacker room, I think, is a big problem. Uh, Mac Wilson was a bottom five starter last year. Uh, Sione Takitaki played about 100, 110 defensive snaps last year, so he's still a major unknown. Uh, B.J. Goodson is a pretty good run stopper, but he's going to come off the field on third downs. So we really need someone... Uh, in there who's going to inject some young talent. Ideally, we need two draft picks at, at that position um, just to kind of fill out the room. But the one guy I really want is Logan Wilson. Um, you know, Over the last four years, he's had elite production, over 90 tackles in each of the last four years. Uh, he's got good size, good athleticism, um, nothing special in either area, but he's definitely good enough of, of an athlete to play every down in the NFL. He has really good instincts. Uh, his tackling fundamentals are great, and he's he's solid. He's solid in coverage, um, and definitely has the potential to get to get better in there. Um, he's he, to me, he's a modern Mike. Um, and I know, you know, we've talked about him kind of resembling more of an, a more athletic Joe Schobert, who who tackles better. Um, you know, we don't know if he's going to be the same type of leader that Joe was for this team, but I think he's. He's got the potential to be a really, really solid player for us. Um, and I would love him to be the pick if he's there at 74. Good call. Logan Wilson fan here, as everybody knows. And then day two or day three player can be somebody kind of moderately known or somebody off the wall that at their position of value, you believe they will be a good player for the Browns in their time here. I'm going to go with Iowa safety Geno Stone. Uh, he's he's really underrated because he doesn't have the great greatest size or athletic ability, uh, but he's just he's really smart. He has fantastic instincts. Um, it's not a perfect comparison, but he kind of reminds me of former Brown uh, Mike Adams. 
You know, he wasn't the biggest or fastest guy, but he played for 16 years in the NFL, and he made two Pro Bowls just because he was really smart. He knew what he was doing every down. Uh, Stone is, you know, fourth, fifth round guy, but he's a player that you can play immediately. Uh, he can be on the defense for a very long time. You can put him deep. You can put him in the slot. Uh, he's just a really, really solid cover guy. And, uh, you know, nowadays you can never have too many good DBs. And, you know, with how Steve Wilkes likes to play his defenses, you need at least three good safeties, I think. So I think uh, Stone would be an excellent pick on day three for us. Keep your eye on Geno Stone, guys. There's plenty of film out there you can find on Twitter. And make sure you're following Sam on Twitter at, at Sam Penix, or sorry, at Sam underscore Penix. And uh, Sam, thanks for taking some time tonight, man. Thank you for having me. Okay, welcoming in Pete Smith. You can find Pete on Twitter at underscore Pete Smith underscore. He is the editor of the SI Browns Digest, one of the best draft analysts in Browns Twitter, giving you great insight on all the players, does a ton of different write-ups, different mock drafts. Make sure you're checking out his work. Pete, how are you, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. I want to steer you right into the first question, which is you're the uh, decision maker at 10 here, Pete. Who is your guy or your decision? And tell us why. Uh, if it's up to me, I'd take Andrew Thomas. Uh, we can talk about all the potential and all the different things people can do, but the bottom line is, is this guy going to keep Baker Mayfield upright? Andrew Thomas is far and away the best pass protector in this class. Uh, he, he's not just good. He dominated LSU's Quezon, uh and just makes it look easy. He's got incredible patience, movement skills, and there are questions he has on the running game, but ultimately – those are can be ironed out. Whereas I can't pick my kid, I can't undo Baker Mayfield getting drilled because other guys mess up. I'm with it. Thomas is a consensus uh, player for most people, and and hopefully he's there at ten. I like that. Aside from left tackle, they they still have a plethora of positions that I think need filled. If you could pick uh, one position, you know they need to come away with. Who is your guy at that position, and why? So for me, it's safety. Uh, they, they have Andrew Sandejo, but he's, he's really a one-year rental. He's towards the end of his career. Um, I, I like Carl Joseph. Maybe they opt to keep him longer than this year, but it, it's the, way, the style he plays with. He, he's sort of a Calamity Jane type. Uh, so with that, I mean, the guy I would love to come away from in this draft is Grant Delpit from LSU. The Browns want to play that a lot of too high. Uh, he, he, he can play both strong and free. He can also do some things in the slot. And I really think with what Joe Woods wants to do, he likes having guys that can do a little bit of everything, even though, you know, Grant Delpit, all, you know, perfect world, he's your free safety. They like the ability to sort of move guys around and, and, and to sort of change up looks and, and confuse the opposing uh, offense with what they can do with those guys. Yeah, tell people real quick, Pete, what, what the difference is. I mean, he sort of had a little bit of a what draft experts would call down year, his, his senior or his last year here. What sort of – are you okay with that? And, and do you have a little bit of a justification for why you're okay with some of those things that showed up on tape? Well, in 2018, he was the best defensive back in the country, bar none, and no one really had any other argument. I mean, he was, he was a, a lock top 10, top 15 pick this year – uh, he, he had some warts in 2018, namely tackling. Uh, he, he played with a high ankle sprain all through the year, which sort of limited it a little bit, but doesn't excuse some of the issues he had tackling. He's just got to get better at it. Uh, but, uh, you know, he, he, he went from being the guy. I mean, he led – he tied for the lead, lead in sacks for LSU as a safety in addition to being, you know, an impact tackler, uh, interceptions, pass breakups, all that stuff. He was the guy. 
And then this year you have guys like Kaysan, you have guys like Patrick Queen, you have, you have the most sensational freshman in the country as, as one of their corners and in, in Stingley Jr. Uh, you have all these guys step up and he, it's not that he's bad because he wasn't bad by any stretch. He just wasn't that superstar anymore and he sort of became a, a forgotten man. So if you get 75% of the guy you saw in 2018, it's a, it's a slam dunk to me. And, you know, you're, you're bringing guys in from the Minnesota Vikings organization. They have one of the best tackling secondaries in the NFL, and you're hoping that they can carry that over and sort of figure it out. And so much of it is just that he's very greedy as a tackler. He's not a guy who's making the right play. He's a guy who's trying to make the big play. Absolutely. Good insights on Delp. But Pete, last question, day two, day three player could be round two to all the way to round seven. Who was a guy that if you're sitting at the scouting table, you would pound your fist at the table for and say, I know this guy will produce at the pick we are taking and we have to get this guy. I love Devin DuVernay for Texas. I just do. And I don't think he's a fit for a lot of offenses, but for the Browns who want to use this double tight end offense and you have, you know, your, your guys outside are off the line, can motion and all these things. He's a 200-pound 4-3 guy who has unbelievable ability to track and catch the football at that speed. And you, and you see guys like Will Fuller, who's a dynamic player. But DuVernay's got the ability to be that guy who can take the top off the defense. But he's got great hands. He's a neophyte, downright bad route runner. And that's sort of the thing he has to improve. But if you're asking – can he, is he a guy who could take a jet sweep? Is he a guy that's dangerous and the ball is in his hands? Is he a guy who can make big plays for a defense that only has really Odell Beckham maybe as your deep threat? Then Devin DuVernay, with everything else they're doing, can provide a dynamic downfield threat to sort of really give you an explosive offense in, a, in an instant type player. Good insights on a wide receiver. That is a position the Browns will probably uh, address at some point. Good stuff from Pete. Again, follow Pete at underscore Pete Smith underscore on Twitter. Make sure you're reading his stuff at SIP. Thanks for your time, buddy. Thank you. Okay, up next, John Costco from Pro Football Focus. He's at John Costco 3 on Twitter. He's a senior analyst over at Pro Football Focus. Make sure also, didn't say this earlier, you, you, you get an elite subscription to get their draft guide. It's phenomenal. Uh, they do great work there, and uh, I'm happy to have John on. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great, Jake. How are you? I'm great, man. I'm great. Can't complain. We're getting close to the draft, and I want to ask you some questions. So first question starts off with uh, your, your stance or player or trade or whoever. What decision are you intent on making at pick 10? I am always a part of team trade down. Um, you know, I, I think most cases of what's going to happen in the draft is that you're, gonna, you're not going to get the, the blue chip prospect at, at 10 that you don't pass up on. And I'm always in favor of trading back and adding more picks either in this draft uh, or future drafts, um, and a player that I would be targeting in a trade down would be a guy like a Josh Jones uh, because it fills a need, and he's a good, very good player that's graded extremely well for us at PFF for uh, a couple of seasons now. So, um, And if they were to happen to stay put, I, I think attrition worse would be perfectly fine to take an offense tackle at uh, number 10, but I am fully on board with being a trade down type guy and getting more assets uh, because you can never, never trade down uh, enough, in, in my opinion, in a draft. Good. So John's team trade down. That's an interesting take. I certainly like Josh Jones. I started off lukewarm, began to investigate him a little bit more, especially with the weird way Houston season went. Dominant senior bowl performance. If you get a chance to check out some tape on that, I'm going to throw up some here soon on the YouTube channel. 
a very good player and is a very interesting player if they do trade down. Next question for John involves his player, or sorry, his position. He feels they must come out of this draft with a player at and at that position, which player he uh, believes in. So I'm going to go with positions of need. So, like, obviously everybody knows that linebacker, I think, is a position they need to improve upon. But I think also the secondary is another position that they need to improve upon, and specifically safety. Um, and the guy that I would be looking to, to to take at safety is Antoine Minfield Jr. That guy is just a baller. He gets all over the field. He moves extremely well. He's extremely athletic. He's essentially the same size as an Earl Thomas um, I'm not saying that he's going to play like an Earl Thomas, but the Earl Thomas was a first-round pick, um, and I think the only knock on on Winfield is, you know, obviously he's had some injury issues or whatever, but he was perfectly healthy in his, his final season, um, and he is just a playmaker. He's all over the ball. He makes he makes plays on the ball uh, in the run game and the pass game, uh, and is extremely instinctive. I think there's a guy that I would love to to see that the Browns would take. Yeah, I just posted on Winfield. Love his game, love his, uh, his ability to cover in the back half and, and sort of come up and be a thumper when needed to. I'm with you on that. Good player to name. And then the last question is, if you're a, you're a scout at the table, you're sitting there, you need to pound the table for one guy, day two, day three, who you think will produce from where he is picked, who are you going with? Tyler Johnson of Minnesota, wide receiver. Another Minnesota guy, obviously, but um, the guy just produced in college. And he did it in multiple seasons. Uh, he did it against single coverage. He did it against zones. He did it against pressed man. Um, and he was he, obviously he's a more of a slot guy. He didn't he didn't test out at the combine. He's considered to be a slower dude, but I think the guy just gets it done. He's great at contested catches. He's also great at getting open. Um, and he did it all against you know really good competition. So I think he's a guy that. Um, it's probably going to fall to day three, mainly because I think the question's about his athleticism. Um, and, and on day three, I'm taking a shot on a guy like that all day, every day. So you think his production, his tape over, you know, can, can overcome eventually as he plays in the NFL is something that overcomes the, uh, the lack of testing? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think, I think being able to produce, um, in a, especially at Minnesota where it's not a – a school where you're going to be a pass heavy team. Um, and he, the, the, the production he was able to put up on a team that's not a pass heavy team, especially with not a quarterback that's very good. Um, you know, not an elite type of talent at quarterback. Uh, and maybe, and, you know, he's able to make his quarterback look a lot better than what he was. So Tyler Johnson, 86 catches. In case you guys have not known, 86 catches, 1,318 yards, 13 touchdowns. Had 12 touchdowns the year before, 1,169 yards. That's past production in Minnesota where the games are not easily played in very good weather. He's John Costco at John Costco 3. Make sure you're following him for uh, great Browns insight. John, thanks for giving us your time, man. My pleasure, Jake, as always. All right, guys, next up. Jeff Lloyd, host of the infamous Locked on Browns podcast that I know you guys are listening to. Jeff's at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Frequent on um, Jeff's podcast for a long time, and, and Jeff and I are good friends and a great person to touch base about this topic. Jeff, how are you? Uh, we're doing good here. Just trying to, you know, just get ourselves established in this new norm, and it's just the weirdest thing because, you know, I mean, you don't have an end date, you know, so that just makes it the most difficult for everybody. Just trying to get through every, you know, every day and looking forward. We actually have something legit sports wise that we can actually get to this week. Talk about, you know, I mean, for everybody else, whether you love reading, music, movies, whatever it is, you can still do that stuff. Um, for us sports folks, we're kind of in a 
in a stranglehold here right now. But at least we get something here that we can get to look forward to this week. Heck yeah, man, we can. And we can talk about this draft and our, our team here, Cleveland. And, and let's do that, Jeff. Our, our pick 10 decision on your end. What are you doing if you were the GM of the Cleveland Browns? Uh, for me, it, it has been and it, it, and it, it has remained Andrew Thomas. Um, for me, he was the number one offensive tackle going into this cycle. I don't know what happened, where some guys got pushed above. Um, I understand that this system requires you know, a different type of athlete. But I think one of the things that's being misconstrued is that Andrew Thomas tested really well as an athlete. Granted, worse is you know an animal. Ezra Cleveland as well. These guys are just the elite of the elite of athletes. But nothing's changed. Andrew Thomas tested extremely well, would be a number one tackle in, you know, a, num- a numerous amount of draft classes in the years past. You put together three years of starting in the SEC, one on the right side, two on the left side. Uh, it's it, it just it, it's got mind boggling to me how he's been so overlooked. And, and now it seems like it's turning towards back him again. But, you know, you you go for the tape, you go for the competition. He's played against almost everybody who's in this top 40 class. He's played at least a couple of times. He's held his own. These players speak about the player he is. You look at Chase on the edge from LSU. You go to that tape. He's a top 20 player. Andrew Thomas dominated him, but yet there were folks that weren't sure where Andrew Thomas belonged. For me, he's been the target. He is the target. If he's there at 10, it's an absolute no-brainer. You know I'm down. You know I'm down. I've, I've addressed it on this pod, and, and it's, a, it's a sound pick there. Now let me ask you this one, Jeff. You have one position that you know outside of left tackle needs upgraded. What is that position for you that you have to improve in this draft? And give me your guy at that position you want to come away with. For me, it's the linebacker position. I understand this front office and this coaching staff. A linebacker may not be you know, a point of emphasis of their defense. But I look at what they have going on there. Yeah, you signed B.J. Goodson. That, they essentially signed him for free agent money. It's the same money they gave Taylor last year, who did nothing else but play special teams. You know, Mac Wilson, a lot was put on his table. And not, you know, some moments, some flashes. You have no idea what you're going to get out of year two of him, especially where you're now essentially telling him you are the veteran of this linebacking crew. Sione Taki Taki, we don't know anything either. Yeah, he tested pretty well athletically. We never got to see him do anything. You need this modern-day linebacker. If they're going to go with this, you know, linebacker isn't a huge premise of it. It's going to have to be one of these athletic guys who can do coverage things, who can play the run. And you know, Jake, and I know you've been talking about the last couple of days. For me, the more I come back to it, it's Logan Wilson out of Wyoming. You keep in mind the fact that he went to Wyoming as a cornerback. Obviously spent his redshirt year putting on the correct weight, getting the body right and just you know graduating into the size and the strength of a linebacker you go to some of the tape and there's times where he's you know he's playing a short flat he's still doing defensive back coverage assignments you look at that in a modern day 2020 nfl and what you're going to ask for somebody from the linebacker position that's not even counting the 400 career tackles the 10 interceptions the five plus force fumbles the five plus fumble recoveries nose for the ball you guys I, I thought joe was this modern type of guy i can understand if you didn't want to pay him so you're looking for a joe light and i do believe that is what logan wilson brings you and that's kind of what drew me to him even a little bit better athletically than joe was and just the production is there great player for me you need to upgrade that linebacker position and have the one guy that's probably never going to come off the field you get logan wilson there's a really really good chance he's that guy I'm in. People know this. You and I are uh, kindred spirits on Logan Wilson. It'll be very fascinating to see where he ends up going. Last question, Jeff, is you know, your day two or day three guy that if you were a scout sitting around the table, you're pounding the table for this guy. Tell the folks who that would be for you. 
Um, I'm going to go to the offensive side here, and I'm going to go to the wide receiver position. Look, you know, Odell Jarvis, fantastic. But you get past that. You know, Rashard Higgins still a free agent. Uh, Cordero Hodge, nice special team player. Not enough. That's I know he's going to be a wide receiver that's going to contribute. I've always appreciated Damian Ratley's game with this new regime. God knows where he stands. I look at Tyler Johnson from Minnesota, and this is one I've been harping on the entire process. I don't know what happened with the All-Star Circuit. Didn't go to the Shrine Bowl. Uh, maybe he was a little pissed because he didn't get the Senior Bowl invite. It's understandable. Didn't run at the Combine. There were, you know, everybody, it's the speed, it's the question. A lot of, you know, the bigger analysts of, you know, the NFL's lower on this guy than you guys may be. I just don't see it. The production exponentially grew every year. You go to his final collegiate game against Auburn. You know those boys can run. He gets a, uh, you know, next-gen stats of 21 miles an hour, taking a long one to the house here. If it's something off-field, it's weird because normally those things come out. But you look at Tyler Johnson, the smoothness of the routes. He makes the, you know, he runs the route to the letter the way it is supposed to be run. Hits his stem, plants his foot. Reminds me of a lot of Rashard Higgins in that type of way. And I think a player who runs routes like that, he's a consistent catcher. He's got great ups. There's the YouTubes of him dunking the basketball in high school, all that type of stuff. He's a really, really complete receiver. You bring him in here, getting to learn a little bit from Jarvis, getting a little, little learn a little bit from Odell, but you put him in here as that third wide receiver doing what he's supposed to do. And you go back to that relationship Baker had with Rashard Higgins. And for me, it is just the perfect match. It's a seamless transition. He's going to come in here with the most accurate quarterback he's ever seen all the while doing exactly things the way they are supposed to be done. It's just too easy of a matchup. He's too good of a player, too productive. And let's not talk about Minnesota like it's the Minnesota old. They're turning out players. P.J. Flex got that program running right. Tyler Johnson, for me, on day three at that 115, if he's there, wide receiver hasn't been addressed. I need that guy. I need him bad, Jake. Yeah, could match up with his teammate, uh, Antoine Winfield, from the other side. That's our second mention of Tyler Johnson in this segment. He is a player to keep an eye on, one that is fascinating. He's Jeff Lloyd, again, at Jeff underscore LJ, underscore Lloyd. Make sure you're listening to Lockdown Browns like I know many of you are. Jeff, I appreciate your time this evening, buddy. All the best to you, Jake. Next up, Mike Krupka. You know him on Twitter as at Hawaii Browns Hooey. He is one-third of the Nothing But The Dogs podcast. If you have not given them a listen, I expect better out of you. Give them a listen. They're worth your time. He still contributes to Dogs by Nature. Mike, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. How about you, Jake? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited. We got a bunch of different answers from people. This has been fun. It's been a nice little experiment to see where the draft community is here for the Browns. Days ahead of the draft. I'm interested in your takes. Give me your GM decision at pick number 10, Mike. So pick number 10, I'm going to hunker down in my my basement after saying this, but I'm a huge proponent of the trade down scenario. Um, I, I do not necessarily believe that you need to go out and get uh, the, the top elite uh, left tackle to be a successful football team. I think there's data from PFF that also shows that. So uh, that's the scenario that I like. I like the trade down scenario, specifically speaking, I think looking at what Stavansky did with the offensive line in Minnesota, and while I don't want to force him to recreate what he did there here in Cleveland, uh, we do know a couple different things for sure about the system and about Stefanski that number one, um, if he can get what he needs out of the, the line that he had in Minnesota, I'm, I'm assuming he can do it here. And number two, our offensive line is way better and way ahead of the Minnesota offensive line from last year. And then the zone system itself, 
uh, will help our already solid O-line be that much better. So I'm not necessarily locked into taking the number one best elite tackle, uh, especially if, let's say, Thomas isn't there, which I'm assuming he won't be. So the the point where this all comes to fruition is in the player that I want. So I really like Josh Jones. He's a guy who in a trade back situation, let's say trading back between the picks of 15 and 21, I think makes a ton of sense. I think he can do everything that we want in this system. He's athletic. He can move well. He's smart. He's super powerful. I think he doesn't get enough credit for how much power he generates in the run game. And I think he showed that he really belongs with elite talent or or better talent in the senior bowl. So his biggest knock in my talk with Duke Manuweather on my podcast or on the podcast was that he didn't have a lot of consistency, uh, actually no consistency with his coaching throughout the four years at Houston. So I think getting him comfortable with a coach like Bill Callahan, sticking him next to Joel Beltonio, I think these are all things that are going to help unlock not just his potential, but just the, the, the traits and the skills that he has underlying uh, from some of that discomfort and all the different changes that he had. So that's where I'm at with pick 10. I want to trade back. I want to uh, maximize the, the depth in the second and third round of this draft in a number of different positions. And I want to go ahead and, and bring in Josh Jones. I'm into it. I'm into Josh Jones of late. I noted it last night. Uh, I will cover that at a later point, but just know I am there with you in terms of the prospect being worth that sort of investment. Next up, and you talked about second and third rounds. Browns have to improve a position outside of left tackle. Pick that one position they have to come out of this draft as a better team with and a player you want to come away with. Yeah, I don't want to overthink this. I think linebacker is definitely up there, but I think the way the draft falls out, I'm interested in in taking a safety uh, in that second round or outside of the tackle class, I should say. That's the position group that I think we need to address first. Uh, Obviously, we've got Sheldrick Redwine, we've got Sandejo, and we've got Carl Joseph. And there's pretty much a a precipice and a cliff that drops off from there. So I I know the intricacies, or I should say I don't know the intricacies of Joe Wood's defense as much as you do, but I do know that he likes versatile defensive backs. And again, a trade back would give us options uh, amongst the safety group in, in round two there. So the first thing that comes to mind is going to be Jeremy Chin. I think he's his athleticism is off the charts. He's versatile. Like I just mentioned, he's got really strong ball production. And I think that makes him a highly intriguing prospect for us. Uh, somebody else that probably won't be there, but I, I really like is uh, McKinney. I think he's a guy that fits what we want to do. And then I think last but not least, even though I'm, I'm worried about his tackling, I do like the, the ball production and what uh, Grant Delpit brings to the game. So those are some of the pick guys. One, Mike, you got to pick one. Tell me, who do you uh, want? Damn you, Jake. All right. I'm taking Chin. All right. Good answer. I like Chin, uh, but I do. I'm with you, bro. I like all the options that are there. That safety second, third round is going to be really fun, uh, fun and full of, of names that can really be productive players right away. So I am, I'm in on safety at some point, and it'll be fascinating to see which pick they invest in that position. Last question. You got a second, uh, second day or third day player in mind who you think will, um, you know, be a player that you would pound the table for and you know will ultimately produce here in Cleveland. So you're going to limit me to just one, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. You only get one player. This is your, your, your chance as a scout. You're sitting around the table trying to prove yourself. You pound the table for this one player. Okay, so in terms of his fit for the Browns and what I think a good player can be for us, I really like Broderick Washington from Texas Tech. Uh, Lance Earlings comp for him is Andrew Billings. 
I know everyone down there in that building, at least based on some of the, the things I've been reading, really like uh, what he brings to the table. He's an in- interior defensive lineman. Uh, he does a good job at, uh, at shoring up the, the shade position at some times. He's also versatile. He can rotate out to the three and five tech. So he, he brings a lot to the table that I think later on day three, say fifth or sixth round would make a lot of sense for the Browns, or I should say sixth round for the Browns specifically would make a lot of sense. Uh, again, I don't think we have a lot of good depth and in interior defensive line. So if we don't go for someone early, he's a guy that I'd pound the table for uh, on uh, day three, round six. Fascinating. One that we have not heard about. So get that name out there to, uh, to the listeners and, and make sure you're checking out some of Washington's tape if you get some time. He's Mike Krupka. He is at Hawaii Browns Hui again on Twitter. And make sure you're listening to the Nothing But The Dogs podcast because they've had some great guests on and some really good insight and uh, good friends of mine. And I appreciate, Mike, for you uh, taking some time for us, buddy. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. This would be a blast. Look forward to it. Next up, guys, is Corey Kennan. He's a site expert at With The First Pick. His Twitter account is at RealCoreyKennan. He was on with me a month ago. I think he devotes good time to the draft insights in the Browns community for this stuff. So he is one of the people I wanted to have on. Corey, how are you? I'm not doing too bad. I'm ready for, for the main event on Thursday. How are you, Jake? I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm good and, and ready to, uh, to talk about the future and talk about football. And we're going to do that tonight. So I'm, I'm going to put it on your plate. The same question I've been throwing at everybody. You're the GM. Pick 10 rolls around. What are you doing? If Andrew Thomas is on the board, I think it's a no-brainer. Uh, I mean, two-year two starter at LSU – or I'm sorry, at Georgia and the SEC. Uh, so he's played at the highest competition at, at, at the college level. Uh, he's a bona fide starting left tackle. Um, he might not have the highest ceiling, but he definitely has has the lowest floor. I mean, you can't you can't beat all-team, all-American freshman team, uh, first-team all-SEC, uh, elite first step off the line of, str- line of scrimmage. He has really good lateral movement, which is really good for um, – the wide zone scheme that the Browns are looking to run holds the point of attack really well. Um, so if you're looking at a guy who's going to be a day one starter and who's not going to have that learning curve um, that a guy like Ezra Cleveland or Josh Jones might have from day one, um, that learning curve is really going to be um, stifled and dampened with a guy like uh, Andrew Thomas. Um, I mean, he, he's as far as it goes, he's got a PhD in, in OT play, um, fine technique, really smooth guy. Um, so, I mean, if he's, if he's on the board at 10, I don't know how the Browns would pass on a day one starter and a guy who could start for them for almost a decade. I'm with you. Popular pick and Andrew Thomas, good football player. I don't think any of these tackle prospects are perfect. Uh, and I think all of them need to have some things tweaked and adjusted, but you are looking to what is the, the popular phrase right now, which is flatten the curve, right? Does as little of that as possible with a player and with Thomas, I think there is very little to tweak and improve upon. And you are right. will be an instant impact player on the offensive line next question involves other than left tackle the position you want to prove you have to come out with it better in this draft and what player uh do you have your sights set on yeah so i I had a really hard time just deciding between wide receiver um and defensive tackle um but given that the browns have i think just one in sheldon richardson uh, under contract beyond 2020 at the defensive tackle slot um i went ahead and, and chose a defensive tackle um in Justin Matabuike from Texas A&M, um, so he's 6'2", or uh, sorry, two ninety three, um, nearly thirty four inch arms. But the dude's explosive off the line of scrimmage. Uh, he can play uh, over the nose. It's probably not his best spot, um, but he he's he's better to be aligned um, in the three tech. He can play even push four, maybe five. Uh, but he's just explosive off the line of scrimmage. He uses his strength really well. Uh, he's a powerful athlete. 
um, high energy player, whistle to whistle. Um, and he's got really good instincts too. So if he knows he can't get home, he knows how, how to get his hands up, knows how to work off of, off of, uh, offensive linemen really, really well. Um, he's got a wide arsenal of pass rush moves from push pull to strong arm to, um, even a little bit of speed to power for a guy coming off the interior of the, of the defensive line. That's, a a really lethal weapon to use. Um, so I really like Justin Matabuike from Texas A&M. Yeah, Matabuike is someone, if you guys have not uh, caught any of his tape, I would encourage you to go watch some of his highlights on YouTube. Good football player and defensive tackles, one I have talked about being concerned about. This is the first we have heard from somebody mention this, so I'm happy that you did. And uh, I like that. I think they do need to come out of this draft with a player at that position if they're forward thinking about this roster. Last question, day two or day three player, you're a scout at the table, have to pound your fist for someone you believe will be that guy for the Browns in some capacity. Who are you taking? Yeah, so I'm going to go with a guy who is a fringe day two, early day three player um, in Utah safety, Terrell Burgess. Um, so I like Terrell Burgess because he's got a ton of versatility to play uh, at the third level, or he can step down uh, into the nickel as well. Kind of that role that Brian Body Calhoun had played two years ago. Eric Murray played last year when he was healthy. Um, that really versatile athlete who can fill a variety of looks um, for a variety, a variety of different packages on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so Utah... Um, safety trail Burgess. I didn't really get a glimpse of him until I went to the senior bowl and was able to sit in the film room and kind of watch the practices over again. Um, but Terrell Burgess has really oily hips for a guy who played predominantly safety, uh, really good open field sack tackler, really good athlete. Um, he's not super explosive as far as like his jumps were concerned at the combine. Um, but he's quick. Uh, he's ex- instinctive. He's just a really fun, smart player. Um, and, and the Browns need a nickel. Um, and so if I were in that scouting room and he was on the board at 97 or potentially that, that, that pick in the fourth round, I would definitely pound the table for Terrell Burgess. Fantastic insight because a lot of people peg the Browns to go safety at 41. So if they do not and they push that position off, Terrell Burgess is a fun player. Pro Football Focus has him very highly rated, and uh, I'll be fascinated to see where he goes. So great insight. Corey Cannon, at Real Corey Cannon on Twitter, at with the first pick is where you can read his information. Follow along his Twitter page for good draft insights. Those are important. Corey, thanks for joining me, man. Absolutely. Anytime, Jake. Okay, welcoming in Joe Gilbert from WFNY. He covers the Browns for them, does a great job as an analyst. He's at Joe Gilbert WFNY. Fantastic site where I got my start and um, have nothing but respect for the fantastic stuff they do there. Joe, how are you, my friend? Good. How are you guys doing? We're good. We're good. We are going to dive right into this thing, man. I want your opinions, and I want them quick. So what is your uh, take on what they should do at 10 if you were the GM? So um, I've been uh, going back and forth, but – past couple days i've been i kind of narrowed down to trade down um i just uh, i think 15 and 16 are the prime spots uh, with the broncos and falcons um i i just feel like the browns need uh more more depth and on the roster so getting an extra day two pick um would be really good for the team um, I really like the depth in the class, in this in this draft class. So day two should have a bunch of talent still left on the board. So getting another pick would be um, a plus for them. Um, but uh, another reason why I I think trade down is best is I'm a little bit different than uh, some people. I actually think there's five top flight tackles, offense tackles, uh, with obviously Wills. Um, Thomas Becton and worse, but I also think Josh Jones of Houston um, deserves to be in that 
uh, upper echelon of the group. So I, I, I'm good with um, if they move down and if he's left on the board, I, I'm good with him uh, being that guy at uh, 15 or 16. Um, I, I think he fits the scheme well with his, his athleticism. Um, I just think uh, I think that that would be the best way to go for the Browns. I'm with it. I'm coming around on Josh Jones. I've talked to a couple other people who've had that answer, so that's a great take. Um, you know, next one is aside from left tackle, what position do the Browns have to answer in this draft, and who would you take at that position? Um, so I, I went I went with defense. I went with the edge. I think the whole defensive line needs help, but um, edge specifically, um, they're. I like the addition of uh, Adrian Claiborne. I think he'll be great. Um, but I'm looking forward uh, just because I think Olivia Vernon is probably done after this year, if not this year. Um, so I really want to get another young edge rusher to add to that group. Um, I, I don't trust Chad Thomas going forward. Uh, he just didn't show it when he got the big opportunity late in the season last year, he seemed to decline once he got more uh, snaps. So um, I, I just, I just feel like they need, uh, they need another pass rusher. So a guy I'm, I think would be uh, a good pick. Um, I think it's, I think he, he would be good value in the on day two, probably late second, early third um, is Jonathan Greenard of uh, Florida. He's actually my uh, number five edge rusher. Um, I, I really like him. I, I, his production was really high um, in college. Though he missed uh, 2018 with an injury, he was super productive last year. And then in 2017 at Louisville, he, even though he didn't start, he still led the team in sacks and tackles for loss. So I, I thought he's, he's one of those guys that are get, is getting underrated in this class. He, uh, he seems to have an array of moves. He can go outside around the edge with the uh, with nice bend. Um, and then also he has good short area quickness where he can stun blockers going inside with uh, some nice moves. So I, I think his uh, – I think Greenard would be a really good pick in the second or third round uh, for the Browns to add that depth for the uh, edge rusher. Yep, got to keep an eye forward there. That's a good call. And then uh, day two or day three player that can be obscure or somebody that, that you think Browns fans need to pay more attention to, you would pound the table for this player as a productive player in his Browns career. Who you got? So uh, I was uh, I was looking at uh, Kayvon Wallace of Clemson. Uh, he's a safety, but he, he, I think he would be really good as our slot corner hybrid um, that we really need after um, – this off season with all the changes at corner. Um, I think, I think he, his diversity of coverage ability is pretty good. Um, he showed man to man skills, zone uh, skills, and then ability to cover over top too, as a uh, deep safety too. Um, he's highly productive. Um, he, he seemed to be underrated at Clemson given all the talent around him, uh, the AJ Terrells and obviously Isaiah Simmons. Um, but I, I really like him as a player form. Um, he's probably a day late day two, early day three guy. Um, he he would add also toughness and physicality, uh, even though he's not like the biggest guy. But he still he can lay a little punch to you. Um, 
And I, I just wanted to I, – I feel like he would be a good fit for the defense and just a guy that um, – good value there. Um, and I so I just want to throw in one name. I know you only wanted one, but Malcolm Perry of Navy would be uh, a late, like, seventh-rounder undrafted guy that I would love to get. I think his – I saw him live at the Army-Navy game, and I, I feel like he can be – and some sub packages that can be a playmaker for the offense, but so that's that's my answer there. All right, Joe cheated, but we'll let it slide because I, I like I, him. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's all good. Those are two guys that Browns fans need to take a look at. He's Joe Gilbert again at Joe Gilbert WFNY. Make sure you're following him on Twitter. Joe, thanks for giving us some time, buddy. Next, welcoming in Chops. You guys know him at pchops underscore on Twitter. Deputy editor, Complex Sports, doing big things. Load management podcast. Has some fantastic guests on of late. Big time stars. Odell Jarvis have been on there among many, many other fantastic guests. He's doing a great job. How are you, my friend? What's going on, man? I'm doing well. Good, good. Glad to hear it. We're going to dive in. We're going to get your opinions on this draft. I've seen you do like 14 mocks a day, so I think you're well-versed in these answers. So you're up at 10, man. You are the Andrew Barry of this situation. What are you doing at 10? I think. I would trade down as of right now, and I think you talk to the Dolphins, you trade down to 18 from 10, let them come up, get their quarterback, whatever, and then at the 18 range, I think I go Xavier McKinney, uh, Alabama safety, who I think is not only a huge need, but I think someone who could impact your defense in a positive way immediately and be a very plus uh, for the Browns and kind of what they need. And then I know everybody's going to talk about offensive tackle, but I think I think we all see that they love Ezra Cleveland, and I, I, I we all have opinions on him. Um, I think he's probably a guy you can get later. Maybe you trade up from 41. But with the first pick, I would trade back from 10, 18-ish range, and take Xavier McKinney. Good stuff. Good player. Good idea to, to collect those day two picks and even more if you're moving back eight spots the Dolphins have an abundance of picks you could probably take them for a little bit good call I like that aside from left tackle which you mentioned you're going to address at some point in this draft or you may uh, be a proponent of trading for somebody or something of that sort there are other positions the Browns need give me one position you think they have to come out of this draft with um, I guess other than safety now because you mentioned McKinney so maybe another position you think they have to come out of this draft with and a player you like at that position I think it's pretty clearly linebacker um I think that no matter how much Mac Wilson wants to tweet about how you know underrated the Browns linebacker group is right now I think that that's clearly the biggest one of the biggest needs on uh on the team um I I have to do some more studying on the linebackers I know the guy from Wyoming who you tweet about a lot um Remind me of his name? Logan Wilson, yep. Logan Wilson. I, I, even though I saw someone – Well, say, Zach, just uh, Joe Schobert just shouted him out too. He said he's been watching a lot of tape, likes him a lot. So, yeah, he's a, he's a good player. And uh, someone tweet uh, – Lewis Riddick, I think, tweeted that he's getting mm-hmm. some first-round buzz. So, obviously, there's a lot of people on him um, who I think would be great. I think the Mississippi State guy uh, – um, Willie Gay, yep. Willie Gay, I think, is another guy maybe later – but I think the linebacker group, I think you need to at least add one guy to that. And then as a secondary one, I would say wide receiver is also maybe right up there with biggest need after that. Uh, we have two, you know, very premier wide receivers in the team, but they're both coming off of surgery. So I think that you need to add another guy there in such a wide receiver deep draft. You have plenty of great options, day two, day three there. Speaking of day two, day 
geez, speaking of day two and day three players, give me somebody you can be kind of in mainstream draft or whatever, just somebody, and it can even be somebody obscure that you really think that people are underrating and you think he's going to be a really good player uh, at some point for the Browns or there, wherever they select him. So I don't know if this player is underrated, but uh, Amik Robertson, mm-hmm. the, the, the cornerback, I think is a guy who I would love, 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 love the Browns to get on day two, day three. I think he could be the immediate nickel starter for them. And that's another, like, you know, area of need, I think. I think people aren't really talking about the secondary other than safety uh, for them. So I think that's a guy who, who I've seen a lot of draft guys talk about. I don't think he's underrated, but I think he'd be like a perfect addition to this Browns team. Couldn't agree more. He's, uh, he's Chops. He's at Chops underscore on Twitter. Make sure you're listening to Load Management, one of the more fantastic pods out there with great guests. I really appreciate you taking some time for us, bud. Thank you. Okay, recording with Nathan Zagura. You guys know him. I don't need to introduce him. He's at Nathan Zagura on Twitter. He is uh, one of the key voices for the Browns, Cleveland Browns Daily. How are you, Nathan? I'm doing great, man. Good to be with you, Jake. Yeah, excited to have you on. So let's let's jump right into this thing, man. we got five hot minutes here. So you're a pick 10. You are the Andrew Barry of this draft we're doing right now. Who are you taking at 10? And uh, tell me why. So I'm going to move down, and I know that might not be very popular with a lot of Browns fans. Now, I could be if, – if I am truly Andrew Barry, and let's say Jedrick Wills is my top tackle and he's there, I probably will just stay and take him. But my inclination would be to move down, pick up some more assets in maybe that second, third-round area where we can load up and address some needs, not only for the short-term but for the long-term planning. And the guys that I would be targeting if I did trade back, there are two of them that I like a lot, and I'll give them to you in order. One would be Austin Jackson out of USC – only 20 years old, phenomenal story, a great athlete. And I was still struck by one thing that was said to me at the Combine by Lance Zerline, whose opinion I respect very much on offensive linemen. And that is that Austin Jackson might be the best pure wide zone tackle prospect in this draft. And so if I've got Bill Callahan at my disposal, which I do on the offensive line, I want to give Bill Callahan the best piece of clay that I can. And I believe that Austin Jackson might be that best piece of clay. Now, will he be ready week one? And the other name is obviously Ezra Cleveland that we've heard so much about being linked to the Browns, not just because his last name is Cleveland, but again, phenomenal athlete, good pass blocker, would fit very nicely in that wide zone scheme. And so if I do do that and pick up some assets, I would then be looking at signing, say, a Jason Peters or a Cordy Glenn who are out there to bring in as a stopgap while I give these guys truly the time to develop because it's going to be a little bit of a weird offseason. I think so many people think we got a draft tackle and he's got to be ready to play week one. I'm not as worried about that. Let me get the guy that I think long-term can be the best value and also the best player for my organization and then also pick up some valuable assets because we do have a lot of holes to fill, not necessarily in the day one starting lineup, but from long-term succession playing, there are a lot of guys on short-term deals right now that we're going to have to have plans in place, you know, to replace for the long-term. Yeah, I love the Austin Jackson name. I don't think he gets talked about enough. Good player, very agile. And, and I don't know if Browns folks know the, the story of the bone marrow donation that he made, too, that really impacted his last year. So that's a great name. If you yeah. have not looked at Austin Jackson, find a way to do so before the draft starts here uh, Thursday night. Uh, next question for you, Nathan. They have to improve another position other than left tackle, which is pretty abundantly obvious. Uh, which position do you feel like they have to come away with and then uh, a player you like at that position? I'm going to go with the safety position there. Uh, by the way, one last note on Austin Jackson. Daniel Jeremiah just did his conference call, and he said that he's the one guy he thinks is going to get taken a lot higher than, and then, than people currently perceive. So 
maybe there is some buzz around him in the league circles. Now, for me, that next position, it's safety without a doubt. Uh, I do think you can go into this season with Andrew Sandejo and Carl Joseph, who I really hope can develop into a long-term answer, former first-round pick, very talented guys, got to stay healthy. And then you've got Sheldrick Redwine backing them up right now as your third safety. But I kind of think when you look at this draft and the way that it's going to fall at 41, it's kind of a sweet spot for you at that safety position. And the two names that I would throw out early, and I'll give you a couple if we end up pushing it maybe into the third round, but Grant Delpit, who I think could be very much like Greedy Williams from a year ago, a guy that had he come out prior to the last season's a surefire first round pick, maybe top half of the first round, had some injuries last year, some tackling issues, and maybe he's fallen a little bit. But I think Grant Delpit is a phenomenal player. And you go back and watch his 2018 tape, He's as good as there is in college football. I mean, there's, there's a reason why he was considered one of the best defense players in all of college football, played on a big-time team, in a big-time conference, meaningful games, and I think would be a great addition to this team as a playmaker, can cover the slot, can play both safety positions for you. So I would love Grant Delpit. And the other name now from a smaller program is Jeremy Chin. And Dane Brugler really turned me on to Jeremy Chin out of Southern Illinois. Uh, and Lance Zerline's pro comp for him, by the way, at NFL.com is Harrison Smith. And if there's anybody that our staff on the defensive side of the football would be familiar with, it's Harrison Smith. So getting one of those two guys, I think, would be great. And then later on, Ashton Davis, I think, is just a pure free safety. Cool stories, a walk-on track kid at Cal. Uh, and then Terrell Burgess, who I think is the one-year starter at Utah, shows a lot of good natural instincts. And maybe that'd be somebody if we go to safety in the third round and perhaps surprise people with maybe, say, a wide receiver in the second round that that would be a way that you could go there. But safety to me is probably the second position I want to for sure address. Absolutely. And some great names listed there. Day two or day three player, Nick. And so just one guy who you would pound the table for as a scout and say, I believe this guy is going to be something for the Cleveland Browns. So the, the name that comes, I'll give you two. And I'm sorry for overachieving there. <laughs> one cheating. who I think, who I really <laughs> like, but I'm not sure. And it was all because, honestly, all of a sudden I started seeing him mock to the Browns in every draft. I'm like, wait a second. I, I didn't hear, haven't heard this guy. I got to go do some research. So that's Logan Wilson, the linebacker out of Wyoming. And he is just a tackling machine. You think about what we have in Mac Wilson. Now, he did play Mike at Alabama, and I think is going to get an opportunity to do that in this defense. Um, but Logan Wilson, just he can run. He can hit. He can cover. He was a cornerback in high school, so he's got natural movement in his drops. He's an intriguing guy to me. I don't know, though, if you look at just the overall arc of this offseason, I don't know that linebackers, some they're going to put that valuable of a draft asset towards. So I'll give you the flip around the other way, and this is one that I'm sure is going to get a lot of you know, people, whoa, 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 whoa. I think Donovan Peoples-Jones, if he was playing in an offense in college that really could get him the football, would have been awesome. I love his size, his speed, big hands, athletic, tough. I think he was underutilized, and I think you lock him into the right system. He's a guy that's going to be much better than he showed in college. And so those would be my two. And I think Donovan Peoples-Jones is somebody that could potentially be realistic uh, for the Browns, maybe as, as late as the fourth round or that second, third round pick. So that's where I'm looking. I think wide receiver might be a little bit more in play than we think. Um, and he would be – he's an interesting one. But that whole group, you know, from the Chase Claypools and the Pittman Juniors on down, I think you have a lot of guys that could end up being nice fits at that wide receiver position. Totally agree. Two good names there to pay attention to, Browns fans. He's Nathan Zagura. I appreciate you taking some time for us. Ah, dude, this, this was the best. Another one that'd be fun is Thaddeus Moss. Just I want Randy Moss around all the time. And, yeah, and who so we want him lingering on the sidelines, right? <laughs> exactly right. Exactly. All right, brother. Take care. Thanks for joining me. You got it, man. Thank you, dude. That was great.
Next up is Ben Axelrod. He's at Ben Axelrod on Twitter. You have followed him if you follow me. Digital content, WKYC, fantastic Browns uh, analyst. So, Ben, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. Hanging in there. Got some Browns questions for you if you're ready. If you got your takes teed up, let's talk about pick 10, man. You're Andrew Barry. What are you doing at that pick and why? Yeah, you know, I, I think at this point I'm pretty set on just taking the best offensive tackle available. Um, I, I just think, you know, barring a trade for Trent Williams or, or signing Jason Peters or, or anything like that, like it's just such a glaring need. And um, I think the way, you know, having the number 10 pick, uh, the, the Browns are pretty fortunate because they'll be in a position where, you know, I think there's kind of a, a set of, of four or five guys who are all kind of lumped together in that first group. And none of them, um, you know, none of them have really seemed to separate from, from the other one. So as I look at it, like, I, I think if I'm a Browns fan, Tristan Wirfs is probably the guy who I'm most excited about just because I, I think he's the best combination of a floor and of a ceiling. Um, I, I think Andrew Thomas probably has the, the best floor and he's the guy I would feel best about starting at, at left tackle in week one uh, later this year. But, but I think Tristan Wirfs, you know, could do that, but also kind of give you that um, a little bit of that upside that, that he could be, you know, a, 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 an all pro caliber offensive tackle. So, um, you know, at this point I, I could make an argument for, for any of the really the top five offensive tackles in this draft. Um, and, and even, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, prefer trading down, but, but at this point in the draft too, if, if you're trading down and, and I think um, look, looking at, at Ezra Cleveland or, or Josh Jones, like I, I, I could make an argument for that as well. But, but right now, Tristan Wirfs is, is kind of where my head is at. I, I just don't know if he'll be there or not. Go, Wirfs, heck of a player. Fantastic testing. We had one other opinion on him too, so I like that. No, let's switch over to positions that they need to attack. You know, left tackles answered for uh, by, by most people early in the draft. You got to come away with some other positions. What is that one other position that you need to see attacked? And um, who's a player you like at that position, Ben? Yeah, I, I just think the hole at linebacker still is, is so glaring, uh, even after signing B.J. Goodson, um, you know, Mac Wilson. Uh, had had a had a strong rookie year, but but I don't know if he's enough um, as the only returning starter that that you still feel great about that position. So I just think it's it's such a glaring hole um, on this depth chart, and, and I know this team isn't drafting for need, and and I know they drafted two linebackers uh, a year ago, but but at this point, I just think your options are so limited as far as how else you could go about um, addressing that position. And um, the the question with as as far as who I like is. Um, you know, I, I don't think, you know, unless Isaiah Simmons falls to 10 and, and then you have to have a conversation about, are you willing to pass on an offensive tackle? Um, aside from that though, I, I can't imagine a scenario where they use that number 10 pick on a linebacker. Um, but I do think, you know, every year we, we see guys who, who are graded as first round picks and, and who all the mock drafts have as first round picks. We, we see them you know, slide into that second round and, and be available on Friday night. So um, a guy like Patrick Queen or, or Kenneth Murray, uh, those two guys, I, I think most mock drafts I've seen have them ranked as, as first round picks or graded as first round picks. But if they're there in the second round, um, that, that value might, I, you know, it, it might just be too good for them to pass up on, especially considering their need of position. 
Absolutely. I think that's uh, the key position that keeps coming up between most people and uh, a lot of good options, whether it's round two, round three, round four, seems to be uh, a place they can attack. And uh, how they value that linebacker positions of interest, too, we'll learn a lot from this draft. Uh, anybody in your opinion, Ben, who, if you were a scout at the table, a day two or day three guy could be round two to seven, anywhere in between that you would pound the table for who is somebody you believe in and will pan out at the NFL level and we should draft? Yeah, you know, two names really come to mind, and, and one is Antoine Winfield Jr. Uh, the problem with him is I just don't know, like, where he's going to go. Like, I've seen mock drafts that have him in the first round, and I've seen, you know, some of those PFF um, mock generators that, that have him going in, in the fourth round. So um, he's a guy I would be excited about, you know, in the second round or later. But the other one, and, and kind of the same thing, another Big Ten guy, but Donovan Peoples-Jones at Michigan – um, this is just such a loaded wide receiver class, but I also think after that first year of guys like Jerry Judy and, and Henry Ruggs uh, and CeeDee Lamb, uh, I think that, you know, there's a whole bunch of guys lumped together, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if Donovan Peoples-Jones is the best of that bunch. Um, he, he's a five-star prospect. He, he couldn't have been in a worse situation uh, during his college career at Michigan. The quarterback play was horrendous. The, the play calling was terrible. Um, he, he didn't have the numbers, but it's a little similar to, to you know, what Stefan Diggs went through when he was at Maryland, another five-star prospect who just wasn't in a great situation. And, and then they get to the NFL and you remember why they were a five-star talent. Um, and, and, you know, recruiting rankings only, only go so far. But I think when you look at the way that Donovan Peoples-Jones tested at the NFL scouting combine, I think it kind of backs up that, that there's a lot of production there. Um, that, that you could get out of him that, that he didn't necessarily show during his time in Ann Arbor. So uh, you, you look at the Browns' need at the wide receiver position and uh, the reality of their cap situation moving forward. I, I think wide receiver is kind of a sneaky need for this team, and uh, I'd, I'd be thrilled if they filled it with, with Donovan Peoples-Jones in this draft. Certainly remember him as one of the few you know, offensive players at Michigan that I feared when Ohio State played them. So uh, good, it's a good topic, and, and a couple people, like I said, have mentioned him and it is, uh, it is a guy to keep an eye on. He's Ben Axelrod, at Ben Axelrod on Twitter. Make sure you're following him. Stay up to date on the Browns. Ben, thanks for taking some time for me, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Jake. Next up, we're going to keep this thing rolling, is T.A. You know him on Twitter from at T.A. He is a uh, contributor for Shark Football Analysis. Some of the best data collection analysis and sort of applying it to uh, not just the Browns, but everybody in the NFL. And I'm always fascinated with his opinion on on uh, all sorts of factors around the league. And I thought I'd get his take on the Browns draft. TA, how are you, man? Hey, good, Jake. How are you? Thanks for, uh, thanks for inviting me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course, of course. I want to, uh, I want to dig in real quick. So let's talk pick 10. You're up. You're Andrew Barry. You're, uh, you're, you know, you can do whatever you want at this pick. Who are you taking and why? So I, I kind of look at it uh, kind of like a decision tree. To me, it's kind of simple. If one of the top three tackles are there, and I'm assuming Beckham here for this purpose, but one of the three tackles are there, you just take whoever's left. I'm not sure. There will be ones, but, you know, if there is one, take that person. Um, if not, kind of the next decision is, as I say, Simmons there. If he's there, take him. And if not, then it's either a trade down or, you know, for this purpose, I, I like to be a little contrarian. So a guy that I love is C.D. Lamb. And so um, to me, it's not necessary, uh, necessarily a position that the Browns need today, but I think with uh, between Beckham and Landry, one will be gone at least next year based on kind of contract situation so I, I just think CeeDee Lamb is a can't miss prospect I mean he's not Julio Jones he's not Larry Fitzgerald but he's kind of in that second tier in the you know, kind of DeAndre Hopkins mold 
to me, he's the best after the catch receiver that I've seen come out since, you know, pick Randy Moss, Peter Warwick, so slippery. Um, he doesn't drop the ball. He high points the ball, especially on the, on the deep, uh, deep passes. I mean, he had zero drops on 22 targets last year uh, on deep targets, caught six of the 12 receptions for, for touchdowns. And also he, he's versatile. He could play in the slot, he had 99 snaps in the slot. Uh, he was second to Jamar Chase in yards per route run uh, from the slot and second in, in the entire NCAA overall uh, on all routes in uh, yards per route run. So, um, and I think the one knock on him is, you know, you know, Lincoln Riley's offense essentially uh, schemes these guys open, which could be true. And, and the fact that he played in the Big 12 and, you know, opposition, uh, but he did uh, put up some good numbers against three SEC teams, top SEC teams in the last three bowl games. I mean, against Georgia, LSU, and Alabama, uh, caught almost 20 passes for 300 yards and a touchdown at two 100-plus yard games. So he has played well even against uh, good competition. So to me, uh, I'm going to go with Lamb here and just – um, really fortify that, that receiving game and um, help out for the future as well. It's good. It's an opinion we haven't had. And, and if you caught yourself studying Baker Mayfield two years ago, you could see what was coming with CD. He is a, uh, like you said, very slippery guy, uh, oily hips, a guy who can make plays happen. He's creates separation, all those important traits. So I'm with you on that. That's a good pick. Uh, next question for ETA. If you have to select one position other than left tackle, Browns have to improve in this draft. What's that position? And give me a player you like there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty easy to, to, to pinpoint. It's, it's you know, ta it's a linebacker or it's safety, right? And, you know, really those are the two positions. I do like the uh, uh, Carl Joseph and Sandejo signing. So I think they're good enough at safety. But I think they really have issues in the linebacking court. Um, I'm not sure. Taki Taki is the answer. Uh, Goodson's a decent uh, kind of spot starter, uh, you know, role player. But um, so I think you kind of focus on second to, to fourth round find that middle linebacker that can fill that role. Uh, a guy that, that I've pinpointed is Jordan Brooks out of Texas Tech. Um, you know, good speed, you know, 4 5 four forty. He was number one in, in all of college football among linebackers in run stop percentage, according to PFF. Um, and I think historically, you know, waiting until kind of that second to fourth round range is where the sweet spot has been to find some of the better middle linebackers uh, we've seen in the league. I mean, you look at Bobby Wagner and Levante David, uh, more recently, Darius Leonard, uh, Deion Jones, some really good linebackers, uh, middle linebackers in that range. So uh, to me, that's a guy that I think can, can step in and, and play right away. He's pretty good in coverage as well. So, um, and I know you've talked about Logan Wilson, who's another guy that you know, probably fits that as well. But um, I'm going to go with Jordan Brooks here. Good player, very good player. And uh, talk about range, a guy with closing speed. That's a phenomenal take. Uh, next one is, and the final one, which is a player – could be somebody that's well-known in the draft community or just someone you want the Browns, uh, you know, podcast community to have a feel about this player is a guy you think is going to really produce and be a lock for the Browns to, uh, to make it happen. Well, I, I would love to say Lynn Bowden. He's probably my favorite player in the draft, but mm -hmm. because I already, I already mentioned CD lamb, I'll, uh, I'll uh, avoid the wide receiver position. And I'm going to go after a guy who um, is going to go late, probably, I don't know, fifth to sixth round um, who fills that safety slash linebacking role. Um, I call him, uh, I don't even know if he could be homeless man's uh, Isaiah Simmons, but just because he came from the same, uh, same program, I'm going to go with Tanner Muse as a guy that I really like as a kind of a, a late round sleeper. Um, you know, he played free safety at Clemson, um, but, you know, he's, he's considered to be uh, in that kind of sub package linebacker role uh, in the NFL. I mean, his athletic ability came 
you know, you don't really see it necessarily on film, but I mean, he ran a 4.4140, which was tremendous. He had one of the better uh, spark scores um, among the safeties as well. Um, he had 26 Wonderlick, which is best among all safeties. And I know the Browns really love, um, you know, kind of love the smarts in the middle of the field. So um, he kind of did it all uh, at Clemson at six interceptions, 22 pass defense, 237 tackles, 10 and a half for loss. Uh, he only allowed a 71 passer rating um, as well in free safety. So he's kind of a do it all. Uh, like I said, a mini, mini Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons and one a guy that you can get pretty late. And at the very least, he's going to be a really good special teams player. But can add, a, add that to the uh, Browns uh, linebacking core and maybe safety core as well. So that's a guy that not many people have talked about who I liked uh, late in the draft. You're right. Not many have talked about him. If, if you guys have not watched tape of him, he's got some good highlights on YouTube. Good take, T.A. I appreciate you, man. You guys can find him at Cleve T.A. again and find his stuff, Sharp Football Analysis. Make yourself a better football fan. Thanks for taking time for us, man. Thanks, Jake. Appreciate it. Next up is Mr. Brown's Daily Mock Draft himself. Stephen Thomas, how are you? Good, my friend. Thanks for having me on again. Of course, of course. He's at Brown's Mock Draft on Twitter. If, you're, if you care about the draft all year round, he's the go-to guy, the go-to Twitter account uh, for all of this stuff, keeping up on prospects. I hope you're following him. He's going to provide great insight, and I'll throw it to you at pick 10. Stephen, you're Andrew Barry. You get to make the choice at pick 10. Who are you taking and why are you taking him? Well, I know it's not exciting and, and doesn't draw clicks to just take the chalk, but, but um, I think we've both been in agreement that Andrew Thomas is the guy for a couple of months now. If he's there, it's, you know, I, there's no discussion for me whatsoever. He's absolute plug and play uh, at left tackle. And I, I, I know everybody, there's a lot of people saying, well, he's solid, but his ceiling isn't as high as some other guys. He's maxed out. I, I don't see that. I think there's still lots of room for him to grow, which is, you know, he's already pretty damn good, uh, you know, but he's, I think he can put on some more weight. I think obviously as any rookie can, he can learn more, but I mean, you're talking about a guy who's already fast, quick, extremely long. I mean, over 36 inch arms and very strong. He just forklifts guys per, uh, per, pretty regularly. Uh, and, and the thing I like most about him is, and I've heard this from Everybody in draft world that is way smarter about offensive tackle breakdowns than I am, he seems to be very advanced in his understanding of technique and scheme. Um, extremely hard worker, quiet, respected by his teammates, comes in, does the job, keeps to himself, uh, not only knows what to do, but why, which I think is hugely important. And the left tackle position, Browns fans were spoiled for a decade. And, and I'm not going to say that, you know, I think he's Joe Thomas. That's very unfair to do to any kid. Joe Thomas, you know, arguably one of the best five -tack left tackles to play in the history of the NFL. But what I'm saying is for a decade, we didn't even think about it. We put Joe out there and, and forgot that left tackle even existed. You don't want to hear your offensive linemen's names during the game. There's an old saying, if you hear an OL's name during the game, it's because they did something wrong 95% of the time. And we just never heard that. And I think he's a guy that, again, I'm not going to say he's going to be Joe Thomas, but I think if he becomes what almost everyone thinks he can be, we've got a decade where, again, we put a guy named Thomas in the starting lineup at LT and we just forget about it. So for me, if he is there, it's 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 not even a debate. It's Andrew Thomas, and we go on about our merry way for the rest of Thursday night. 
you won't hear me argue it. And, um, you know, the Browns would be better for taking him. So I like the thought process. The second question here is Browns have to improve one position. You can only come out of this thing improving one position, hypothetically. What one position do they have to improve other than left tackle? And who are you taking? Uh, I'm going to go with safety. Uh, you could make a case for a few other places, but uh, I, I'm, when I put everything together, I think safety is, is the other spot that they have to take care of. It's kind of like, you know, be strong up the middle on defense in baseball. It's sort of the same sort of thought process uh, uh, in football. And I'd like to do it at 41, um, where there's uh, rumored to be a few guys that could be available. Now, I do think that the one-year deals that they've signed are very smart business in that, they don't have to force a pick. If their guy isn't there at 41, they can push it off a little bit if they want to because they know they can get – they've got the dam plugged for this year with these guys. And, you know, maybe Sandejo or, or Joseph goes out and has a great year and they extend him for five years and you don't have to worry about it. But if they're picking one at 41, there's three names that everybody really likes. And I think I'm going to go uh, with Jeremy Chin uh, because I have long been a sucker for guys with versatility. And Chin – I mean, obviously, he's an athletic freak. He's, what, like 6'3", 2-something and ran in the four fours. I mean, just, mm -hmm. you know, he can do anything you want. But if you watch his tape, and I know you have, he can do all the safety stuff. He can do most of the cornerback stuff. He can do a lot of the linebacker stuff for you. So he's a chess piece back there uh, that you could move around in any kind of sub package. And if you're weaker in a different area of your defense, he can help you cover that for a year or a week or whatever it may be. So if I, if I had to pick one guy at one spot besides left tackle, I would really, really want Jeremy Chin to still be there at 41. Good call. Big Jeremy Chin fan. And last question for you is uh, guiding it to day two, day three, a player that if you were scouting, sitting at the table and they, they gave you the opportunity to pound the table for a player, who would that be uh, ultimately for you? Well, you know, I love day three. It's, uh, it's one of my favorite. I mean, everybody loves talking the top 50, 75, top 100, and, and it's fun. Don't get me wrong. But day three, finding that guy in the fifth round or the sixth round is just, there's something about it that's just fun for me. And so I've got a bunch, uh, you know, that I, that I really like. Bryce Huff and Michael Walker and Antonio Gibson and Harrison Hand and guys like that. But if you force me to pick one, uh, Nigel Warrior would be another one. Just one guy that I think is going to be around – uh, probably early day three. He might sneak into late day two uh, that I think is going to outperform his draft spot. It would be uh, Devin Asiasi at tight end uh, out of UCLA. Um, he had absolutely atrocious quarterback play. Uh, so you didn't hear a lot about him during the season, but you pop in his tape for five minutes and you can see uh, he, he blocks well. He understands blocking schemes. He runs well, has a great you know understanding of routes, great hands, knows how to find the open area. He's one of those guys that just somehow knows where to sit in his zone and he's solid after the catch. I mean, he doesn't, you know, he's a tight end. He doesn't have breakaway speed, but he's, he's solid after the catch. If he finds the right situation, he could end up being the best tight end to come out of this class a few years down the road. And I think a year of learning with and behind Hooper and the chief could be perfect. I mean, you know, you know, coach Hottie's offense and what we expect it to be much better than I do. But from what I can see, he looks like just about a flawless fit into what Stefanski wants and asks for out of his tight ends. So if we get to 115 and they are thinking about tight end and Asiasi is still there, you would not hear a peep out of me complaining if they, if they grabbed him there with that first pick on day three. Yeah, my eyes on tight end too, especially day three. So good takes. He is again, Browns Daily Mock Draft and he's on Twitter at Browns Mock Draft. Get out there, follow him. He's going to give you that uh, quality 
quality content that leads from the day after this draft until the day of the next draft. He is going to be doing that all year round. And um, good dude, good guy. And hopefully you could support his comedy channel, Stephen Thomas Radio, as well. He would really appreciate that during this time. So, uh, again, Stephen, thanks for joining me, man. Thanks for having me on, brother. Go Browns. Welcoming in. Brent Sobleski, at Brent Sobleski on Twitter. You know him as Sobo, works with us at the OBR, does fantastic work at the Bleacher Report. Brent, how you doing tonight? I'm doing well, Jake. Thank you for having me as always. And it's draft time. It's the best time of the year. Yeah, man, we're almost on Christmas Eve. It's going to be great. I'm going to start this thing off quick, man. I'm going to ask you who you're going with at 10. If you're Andrew Barry, what's your decision look like at pick 10? And uh, give me some reasons why. Well, clearly it's an offensive tackle because that's the one gaping void left on the roster. If I'm picking one, I'm selecting Iowa's Tristan Wirfs. He's my number one overall rated offensive tackle in this year's class. Six foot five, 320 pounds, 34-inch arms, 99th percentile among offensive linemen in Spark. 450-pound hang clean for three reps. I don't know if people realize how ungodly that is, but it's an amazing number when it comes to power lifting. And it's not simply just physical traits when you look at him and how he plays on the field first of all he comes out of a system that translates very well to the cleveland brown system at iowa they've run the wide zone for decades now under kirk ferentz so he has an automatic comfort level playing in kevin stefanski's scheme when you look at that and know how successful he is in those specific plays number three in running outside zone plays in the last year among offensive tackles a 90% grade overall from pro football focus. Also, and this is probably what surprised a lot of people, and I know I'm going a little in-depth with, with these numbers because not everyone's into those quote-unquote analytics, Jake. <laughs> but when he has the highest pass blocking grade in true pass sets, that says something about how he matches up one-on-one when you put him on the island. I know he's a right tackle. That's where he's most comfortable. I've talked to Iowa's offensive line coach. He says he can play both sides. And it comes down to... Who who you think has the longest long-term upside? And to me, that's Tristan Wirfs and why he would be the right choice for the Cleveland Browns with the 10th overall pick. I like it. If he's there, I hope they take him, um, presuming that he won't be there because he's that talented. But if he is, they'd be smart to grab him. Now let's move off left tackle. We know they need that position. If you look at one other singular position, you think that they have to come out of this draft with the player at that spot. What position, what player? I'm sticking in the trenches because I believe that this team values defensive linemen far more than the general public does. Yes, I understand. They need help at linebacker desperately. They need help at safety. You can add to other positions as well. But when you look at defensive line, understand where Joe Woods comes from. It's not simply how he's going to build the secondary, but it's how he's going to approach the defensive front and how often he wants to bring blitz packages or lack thereof. So, Considering what the 49ers were capable of doing last year with their rotation and without having to consistently bring dogs or blitzes, that's something that you want to emulate in Cleveland. You already have a great starting piece in Miles Garrett, but long-term you're looking at Olivier Vernon, Larry Ogunjobi, Andrew Billings, and Sean Richardson likely gone next year. At least they're on one-year deals. Richardson, you can release him and save $12 million. So you need to start adding more pieces up front a defensive tackle, or defensive end. Maybe you draft someone in the second round like Marlon Davison from Auburn, whom we know that the organization has interviewed during the pre-draft process, can be a base end around 290, 300 pounds, and move inside it for sub-packages to collapse the pocket. I like it. I like it. That's a position I've noted, too, the same, you, same as you have here, which is uh, a lot of mystery hanging over at the next 
the next year. And, uh, you know, if all those guys ball out, that'll be a difficult decision to make, but that's a good, difficult decision. But ultimately, you need to look forward, and I think they'll attack that, that, that position in some capacity. Last question for you, Brent. Give me somebody day two, day three, you're a scout sitting around the table. You would pound your fist on that table for and say, this guy is going to be a good NFL player. What I find interesting about Cleveland's approach is what, how they've looked at the nickel position. Basically, you have Greedy Williams and Denzel Ward as your primary starting outside cornerbacks. Then you go and sign Kevin Johnson to a one-year, three, uh, $3.5 million deal. Now, we're assuming that Johnson's going to be the primary nickel, but the entire approach to the defense is to be able to disguise coverages and move guys in and out so that you can't create mismatches based on who's on the field. With that said, I'm not entirely comfortable with Johnson in nickel because we haven't seen him there in expanded role. If I look at one player in this year's draft that I think is underrated because the entire nickel role is underrated, is Penn State's John Reed. We're talking about five foot ten, 187 pounds, just an absolute bulldog playing on the outside for the Nittany Lions. You move him inside, he's got 4-4 speed, very quick. Again, a high-spark athlete overall, someone that you know is going to be able to be very tough working in that slot and won't give an inch. And that's really what you need from the position. I will add real quick, because I know I, I like going over. Not only do I want to see someone like Reed brought in just to help the secondary, but I want to see versatility in the, in the defensive front as well. And I'll mention Memphis's Bryce Huff. Not someone that was at the end of a full combine, tore up the Shrine Bowl game. You're looking at someone with 34 tackles for loss, can be a Sam linebacker, a sub-package pass rusher, great flexibility and explosion off the edge. So those are two guys I would look in the mid to late rounds to add and create a better overall defensive scheme. He's Brent Sobolewski. You can find him on Twitter, at Brent Sobolewski, and you can you can find him as Sobo here on, on the OBR that that uh, that we both cover this, this, this wide variety of topics for on this team. So, Brent, thanks for joining me tonight, man, and uh, keep an eye out for his work, guys. Thanks, Jake. Everyone enjoy the draft and stay safe. Next up, Tim Torch. He is the uh, co-host of Under the Helmet podcast. He's a contributor over at the Browns Wire. He's a guy who I've had good discourse with, uh, pays attention to the draft, avid consumer, and uh, provider of content of the Browns. And I, I was interested to hear his opinion. Tim, how are you, man? I'm awesome. Thank you for this opportunity. I, I'm, it's just great to connect with you. Yeah, likewise, my friend. I'm going to jump right into this. we got five minutes. We can't waste any time. Tell me what you're going to do. You're Andrew Barry. Tell me what you're doing at Pick 10. I'm probably the outlier from a lot of the people you've spoken with so far, and I would choose to go with CeeDee Lamb. And I, I know it's probably not going to be a popular choice, but it's something that I feel that the Browns need to start working towards right now. It's it's really easy to look towards offensive tackle, but in my opinion, they have an amazing position coach in Bill Callahan that if he signs off on one of these guys a little bit later, then I'm okay with putting that person in left tackle. And CeeDee Lamb, you're building in that security blanket that I don't feel the Browns currently have when you move past Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, and that number three option is a really big question mark right now. By adding CeeDee Lamb, you get someone who's 6'1", 196 pounds, and as uh, in 2017, he was a freshman All-American, third true freshman wide receiver to start season op opener in o Oklahoma history, honorable mention, and led the team in touchdowns in 2018, and led all of Big 12 in touchdown catches in 2019. I think if the Browns decide to wait too long that, that's my biggest fear is the browns decide to wait too long on wide receiver even though it's a great wide receiver draft class they're going to end up regretting it and again with 
with the overall depth of the offensive tackle class that we have here, I really feel like the Browns can take advantage of that a little bit later in the draft and really lock up a premium wide receiver right at the top. All right, I like it. I've had one other person mention CD. They uh, they obviously brought him in, so they're, they're interested in him to an certain extent. I will uh, be monitoring that closely as we approach Thursday night. Tell me, Tim, you got to come away with one position improving, right? Uh, just pick one of all the ones that they have and tell me which player you want to come away with. I would personally really come in strong with the safety position. I like what they did with adding... Carl Joseph. I, I unfortunately Demarius Randall, he's he he was a bit of a loose cannon. I can understand why the Browns regime decided not to really bring him back in free agency, but I feel like there's still plenty of of weakness there. Yes, linebacker position's tough, but I really want to focus on this secondary and improving things, not just in the short term, but in the long term. I see a lot of people talk about, hey, let's bring in Jamal Adams. I, I, I think really the sound case for the Browns right now is to bring in safety depth. What do we want to do? We want to rush the passer and we want to protect those passes that are going deep, especially when you have Denzel Ward there, Greedy Williams. They need a little bit of extra protection and someone that has that physicality. So when I'm going uh, a little bit deeper in this draft, someone that I'm really big fan of is Terrell Burgess. Um, and probably one of the reasons that I'm, I'm most excited about him is his overall versatility that he brings to the team. He's a safety out of Utah, uh, 5'11", 202 pounds. He is coming out as a senior, so he's going to be uh, a little over 21 years old. But I love um, – he played in the box. He played a uh, deep single high safety and he played plenty of slot. And um, something I found really interesting in 2019 campaign, he had zero penalties against. He's a really technically sound player, even if he doesn't have the length that a lot of people ultimately love from the position. I think he's a really gritty player that can get his nose in there and be an instant contributor wherever he's needed within the secondary. Yep, his name's come up a few times. He's an interesting player. I like that. I like that selection, especially for where they might target a safety, particularly uh, day two, late day two into day three. So last question for you, Tim. If you have a player that you would pound the table for, a guy you really believe in, you would put your scouting reputation on the line, this guy's going to make an NFL. Who's that? Yeah, I, I I like going deep with these guys. I'm not going to give you some some cookie cutter that maybe a lot of analysts have already given you before. I'm going to go with Dalton Keene, uh, tight end out of Virginia Tech, uh, 6'4", 253, and he's coming out. He's a little over 21 years old, but it's actually a surprise that he's coming out as a junior because he has really limited production. But if you look at his overall measurables, he you you would think he should have been considered one of the top tight ends of this class. His 10-yard uh, split was in the 81st percentile. He ran a 4.71 40-yard dash, and he has those fluid hips, and you can really see it from his three-cone drill. He ran a 7.07 three-cone, which is impressive for a guy who's 250-plus pounds. Uh, what I think I, I really enjoyed when I was watching him he actually started a game at Virginia Tech as running back, but he could he could also be a little bit adept at fullback. You could carry him as a third tight end. I When I was watching him play, I almost got those Austin Hooper vibes. He has good explosion, really quick hands, and just overall a tight end that you can get really late in this draft that can be an instant contributor, whether it's special teams, he can pitch in a fullback if something happens to Andy Janovich, and overall he can just be in that tight end room 
given a little bit of time to develop. So he's he's probably someone that I'm I would be really excited to see where he ends up, but I would be most excited if he was with the Browns. Yeah, I'm certainly of the vote that I think they take a day three tight end. I'm not sure where. We actually, in one of our mocks, drafted Dalton. I think he's a good fit. You made a good point about versatility. Almost could be a Pharaoh, a Pharaoh Brown type in the future that they could keep around and sort of mold. So good stuff, Tim. You can find Tim on at NFL or sorry at Tim NFL on Twitter. He will give you some good insight. Always good conversation. And uh, make sure you read his work at the Browns Wire. Tim, thanks for giving us time tonight, bud. Thank you. Now joining us, Cody Sweck. You know Cody at WFNY Cody. Um, he is he's an analyst for them at, at Waiting for Next Year. We had Joe Gilbert on too. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in Waiting for Next Year and all the guys there and the content that gets put out. Like I said, I started there and want to have as many of those guys on as I can. Cody, how are you tonight? I'm doing well, man. How about you? Can't complain. We're wrapping this thing up. We've had a lot of people talk. You're going to close this whole thing out or at least close to it. I don't know. I got to edit. It's going to take a minute, but uh, um yeah, let's do it, dude. Let's jump right in this thing. So who's your guy at 10? You got your, your Andrew Barry. You get to make the selection. What's your decision there? Uh, well, it's almost become a cliche pick, but I think sometimes cliches can be a good thing. So uh, I'm going to take Andrew Thomas, left tackle out of Georgia. Uh, he's the best left tackle in this draft, in my opinion. He has the athleticism. He has the lateral mobility needed for the zone blocking scheme. And throughout college, he was very productive with only allowing a 3.4% pressure rate in the SEC. I think he's a be a home run pick. We don't need a Hall of Fame guy at left tackle. We need somebody to be steady and dependable, and I think he'd be that guy. Anybody else you like there tackles-wise that, that, that you kind of were challenged by, by making Thomas your top guy? I think, the, in my opinion, we're down to those four, the four being Andrew Thomas, Thomas uh, Tristan Wirfs, um, Mekki Becton, and then Jedrick Wills. Those would be the four guys I'd be fine with, with Thomas as one, probably in that order I just stated. One, two, three, and four. Gotcha. Good stuff. All right. Now tell me you need a position to improve. Um, tell me which position you're trying to come out of this draft, improving in a player at that position. It could be argued that on paper that the Browns have a bottom five linebacker core in the NFL right now after the departure of Joe Schobert. Uh, with that said, somebody I'm looking at would be Logan Wilson from Wyoming. Uh, he's a potential three-down guy. Uh, could replace Joe Schobert's shoes. Uber productive throughout college. And uh, – He's an every-down player, elite coverage and pass rush grades throughout his career, and I think he'd be a great addition to the Joe Woods defense. I'm with you. Logan's come up a couple times. I put a highlight out on him, and I'm a believer in him. Even at his age, 24, I still think he can produce right away and be a really good one. You know, even if he's a one-contract player here, he could be a really good player for four years. So uh, I'm very interested in Logan, and hopefully they are as well. And then give me a day two or day three prospect you would pound the table for. You think he's going to be a good player in the NFL? Uh, there's one defensive back who's kind of getting overlooked throughout this whole process, and that's John Reed, the cornerback from Penn State. Uh, he has great instincts and great field awareness. I think Penn State mainly deployed a, a zone coverage throughout his career, but when they did use band coverage, he was one of the best in FBS, only allowing six receptions on 97 coverage snaps throughout his, his career. Uh, he could be a guy that could fill in a rotational depth piece behind Greedy or even maybe compete for a starting, starting spot if he comes in and does his job correctly. I like it. I had one other person mention him. He is, uh, he is a nice day three target that I think Browns fans need to get familiar with that name. Good stuff. He's that WFNY Cody. Cody Sweck, thanks for joining us tonight, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. John Colosimo joins us. He's at Jay Cosmo on Twitter. 
writer waiting for next year. This is our third waiting for next year um, analyst that we've had. I'm pretty pumped about that. I love that. And uh, he has a part of the host, the, th- the three headed monster that is the nothing but the dogs podcast. It's a great podcast. You guys should be listening to John. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Jay? Been a while. It's been a while. I'm glad to hear your voice, man. I'm, I'm happy to talk some Browns with you. I know life's hectic on your end. I'm glad you could carve out a couple minutes. And um, I'm curious because we have not even off the air talked about this. What are you doing with pick 10 in a couple days? <laughs> All right. So, you know, I, I haven't moved much, to be honest with you, since, uh, since the combine. Uh, to be honest, I'm a, I'm a Josh Jones guy and I'm a trade back advocate. You know, the, I think it really comes down to uh, every time I do a mock draft, you know, the, this draft gets so much better in my eyes when you've got another day two pick. And obviously it takes two to tango, so I can't sit here and, um, and say, you know, that that will absolutely be an opportunity for the Browns to get into the range that they need to. You know, I think I would shoot for something in the range of 15 to 18. Um, I wouldn't play too many games. Um, and I wouldn't be looking for a giant haul. You know, I'm looking for another day two pick, maybe a day two and a day three pick. Um, but I think my move would be to move down into that 15 to 18 range, and, uh, and I'm going to take Josh Jones. Like you know, Josh Jones. To... Oh, go ahead, man. I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, I was going to ask you oh. what you liked about him. Oh, yeah, sure. That's what I was just going to get into. So, you know, I, I, I like his movement skills. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, maybe if, if the Browns hadn't picked up uh, Conklin, maybe I wouldn't be, you know, he's got a little bit of raw side. He's going to have to do some things on the technical side to get where you need to be. Uh, but we have one of the best offensive line coaches in the league for a reason, and that's to, to teach these things. Now, I mean, I think that he has the natural abilities that, that you want in this system uh, to be able to make that work. And, you know, again, shoring up the right side makes a big difference in, in this strategy. Um, having Bill Callahan makes a huge difference in this strategy, but that's what I'm doing, and that's why I like it. Well, I'll tell you, not enough people are talking about looking at Bill Callahan's history and influence on draft picks because ultimately they're going to weigh his opinion heavily, right? I mean, I know he's not – he doesn't necessarily come from a ton of wide zone stuff, more more West Coast, but he's a zone guru. I think he'll combine the, his his thought process with Kubiak's style of offense, and it'll, be, it'll end up being pretty solid at the minimum. Um, but it'll be heavily influenced on what he thinks and what he thinks they can fit a uh, player around there. And, and although Jones is a little raw, his numbers say he's figured it out with the rawness for lack of a better word, right? Like sure. he's graded well and he's got some things he can clean up. And if you imagine if that guy who seems to take coaching well from all accounts cleans those couple things up, he needs to clean up and then everything's there. So I'm fascinated by Josh Jones. He's one of the guys I really keep my eye on. It's a good call. Next, looking at a, a position you need to come out of this draft upgrading and a, and a player at that position, John. You know, it, for me, it's safety. Um, I just I can't I can't see us not attacking this position heavily, you know, in today's league. You know, I know obviously the nine, the linebackers need some work, so you'd look there and um, you know, we still probably could use a right guard at some point, but you know, for me I just I can't get past safety. We probably need a couple, um, as far as I'm concerned. And um you need one early. Um not in the first round. I don't see anybody in the first round that would be a, a consideration for me. I don't see anybody I'd try to move up into the bottom of the second or bottom of the first to try and get. Um, but I think, uh, you know, maybe 
in that late second, uh, maybe uh, third round, Ashton Davis is probably a guy that that I like. And again, you know, again with my draft strategy, I, this is where you know getting that extra second day pick, whether it's a second or a third, I, I think just makes a huge difference with um, being able to shore up this position. Uh, but I think that the guy I'd look at is Ashton Davis first out of California. Good player. Got a really fun story of his background. And Nathan Zagura mentioned him as well, so that's a good call. And then day two, day three guy you have your eye on, John, is somebody you think is going to be a player in the NFL and you would pound the table for that player. I think it, uh, it, it can be a risky pick, but uh, it's got the big payoff that you're looking for uh, in the middle of the draft or the late draft. Uh, it's Nite Mute out of uh, Fresno State. Uh, you know, he is a monster at guard when he's healthy is the obvious big asterisk that everybody's going to put on him. I think this is where getting, you know, some of those extra picks can really uh, pay off in being able to take a risk like this and get a big, big payoff in a place where we could really use some help, which would be a right guard um, without spending too much in terms of draft currency. So, you know, that's really my guy that I would absolutely pound the table for a big reward, um, you know, if you can get him healthy and, and keep him healthy. Yeah, especially considering, like you said, they, they trade back a couple times or something along those lines and get some extra picks. It, it becomes feasible to fill some of those positions. So he's John Colosimo. He's at Jay Cosmo. Make sure you're reading his work awaiting for next year. I appreciate you giving us some time out of your busy schedule, John. All right. Thanks, Jake. It's always good to hear from you. That's a wrap. Hope you guys enjoyed all of those different opinions about the draft, this crucial draft for the Cleveland Browns and the new regime. Kevin Stefanski, Andrew Barry is going to be a ton of fun. Pay attention to the YouTube channel. I have a film room going up of the top five tackles and some talking points about those tackles with some um, commentary overlaying some film. Hope you guys will enjoy that and give it some time. It'll be up on the YouTube channel here today. The uh, OBR Film Room channel is a link in the bio on that Twitter handle. You can go there. Make sure, again, I urge you, strongly urge you to get that daily OBR Newswire podcast delivered to you. All you got to do is go to your podcast home, find us on there, and subscribe to our channel. Give us a review if you can. If you listen to a couple of those, I greatly appreciate it. We're going to have you covered. All angles at the OBR Rumors Film, Everyday Beat Reporter from Fred. It's going to be awesome. We're excited about this year and where it's going. We're excited about the draft. Couldn't thank you enough for joining us. Hope you guys enjoyed this format. It was a little crazy. Hope you enjoyed it. Should be a fun next few days. Have some reaction to each day over at the OBR Newswire podcast. We'll do a cumulative study of each player after this is all done with film rooms and more over at the OBR. Great articles that you can click on. We will do a cumulative study of the whole draft here at the OBR Film Breakdown podcast on Sunday. So keep your eye out for that dropping Monday. Until then, guys, enjoy your enjoy your draft weekend. Enjoy uh, and stay safe with your family. And as usual, go Browns. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.